You're listening to Walk It Out with Trisha Goyer, where we discover what it looks like to follow God and be swept away on the journey of a lifetime. Author of over 70 books, mom of 10, yes, 10, homeschooler and speaker, Trisha Goyer will explore what radical obedience to God's word looks like. It's time to hear from God lovers who've dared to say yes. Listen in to Heart to Heart Chats and learn how others overcame doubts and fears. Discover how God used ordinary people to impact others one step at a time. If you're ready to get radical, get going, and make a difference in this world, you're at the right place. Here's your host, prolific writer, world traveler, people lover, and mega nap taker, Trisha Goyer. Well, friends, I don't have to ask if you've faced suffering lately, if you've faced trials, if you are really struggling, because I know that I am and almost everyone that I've talked to has something going on unexpected. We can't get through life thinking that tomorrow is guaranteed and we know it's going to happen. There's so much uncertainty right now. And we're going to be talking about that, but we're also going to be talking about hope that we can find even in the midst of uncertainty. So my guests today are Pat and Ruth Schwenk. They're the founders of the popular blogs for the family and thebettermom.com. They also have a podcast called Root Like Faith, which is awesome. And they are amazing people who live in Michigan with their four children. So welcome, Pat and Ruth. Oh, thank you so much, Trisha. Uh, Trisha, thank you. Oh, I just love you guys so much. I love all you're doing. And I've got to be with Ruth a couple times and she is just so much fun. So I just have to start by saying that. <laughs> I'm trying not to be like, oh, Trisha, like I'm so excited to be talking to you right now. <laughs> I just love you guys. Um, so your new book is In a Boat in the Middle of the Lake. But before we get into that, I just would love you to start sharing a little bit about your story, um, just mm-hmm. about your lives and your family. And, you know, I think when we first like get married and get together, we think, okay, this is gonna be perfect. And then hard things really come. So just share a little bit. Either one of you can jump in mm-hmm. of your story and your life with us. Yeah. Well, Ruth and I have been married, I guess, just over 22 years now. Back in August, we celebrated 22 years, which is hard to believe. I guess we're yeah. getting old. No. <laughs> so I've been married 30. Oh, so sorry, you're, you're good. sorry, Trisha. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, so we just celebrated 22 years of marriage. And like you said, we have four kids, um, you know, 18, 16, 14, and 11. They get all those right, yeah, honey? You did. Okay. Yeah. Whew, that was close. And Good job. Yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> and then we have been in pastoral ministry. We've been in the local church now for um, about 20 years and then have been in online ministry, as you mentioned, you know, writing, blogging, and have published um, a few books over the years. And so that that's kind of been uh, our story in, in marriage and ministry. We moved up to Ann Arbor, Michigan, which is where Ruth is from. She was born and raised in Ann Arbor. We spent most of our marriage and ministry in Ohio, but moved here in, um, I guess it was October, 2015 to start a brand new church. And it wasn't long after that. Uh, it was, was in January, 2018 when I was diagnosed with a type of blood cancer. Mm. And so we have just been incredibly, um, grateful, uh, for all that God has, has been up to and has been doing. And, but it's, it's been quite a, a couple years of, of ministry, but also just in our own personal lives. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it's things you never expect, like that this isn't going to be part of, you know, your story or my story. And I know you've also had other challenges, Mm -hmm. pregnancy loss. So when, you know, when you first got together and then you're you're going on with life, when was maybe the first time you're like, wait, wait, this is not what we signed up for. Mm. Well, I mean, right away, it was like, I remember thinking, oh my word, we can't, we, this is so silly. I feel silly even saying this, but I was like, we don't have time for this. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. we can't learn about this. This is a complete disruption to You're talking about my diagnosis. Yes. You're not talking about our marriage. Okay. I just (laughs) want to clarify that (laughs) because we don't have time for this marriage. (laughs) Honey. Because I think Trisha was asking a different question. No, no, she wasn't. I don't think. (laughs) Anyways, so. Just want to clarify that for myself mainly. Well, so I remember, you know, a few years ago when Pat was diagnosed and it was just like, oh my word, we cannot, I didn't want to do this. You know, I didn't want to learn about this. I didn't want to go through this. It was a disruption. We didn't have time for it. Um, it's completely unexpected. You never think it's going to happen to you until it does. And, you know, the interesting thing is, Trisha, I mean, we've been in ministry for so long. We've walked with so many people through things like this. So of course I know it can happen to anybody um, because we've walked alongside people who it has happened to. um, But you still just never, you never imagine that it's going to be you. Yeah, absolutely. Now, when um, you first got the diagnosis, I mean, had you been having health problems for a while, Pat, or how did you know that something was going on? Yeah, I mean, I, I knew for for a number of months that something was wrong with my body. I mean, I'm, I'm over 40, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm sort of accustomed to aches and pains and fatigue, but there was just something different, you know, about what was going on, you know, in my body. And so it was probably, I think it was the summer of 2018, I guess, or I guess that would be summer of 2017 mm-hmm. uh, when I, I got an ear infection that wouldn't heal and found myself in the emergency room. Uh, over at the University of Michigan. And that was sort of my first clue that something was wrong with my body. And then after that, began to notice kind of some chronic aches and pains, you know, the spine pain. I, I would go out and mow the grass. My forearms would hurt. Mm-hmm. And really what what did it was in November then of that year, um, I, I injured my left hip, not once, but twice, really in, in, the, in, the, in a week. And I didn't know it at the time, but I had, you know, blood cancer that had compromised the strength of my bones. And so I actually had just um, fractured my, my hip and didn't know it was the result of, of a type of blood cancer. But by God's grace, I fractured my hip. In fact, the doctor, I remember the doctor telling me, had I not injured my hip, they may not have found that mm-hmm. until oh, it wow. was, was too late. And so that was really for me um, kind of a turning point because I the, the pain became so severe that you know by December, I, I couldn't stand up the entire time I was preaching on Sunday mornings. I couldn't lift my left leg on its own. And so I, I began to go through a series of, of scans and lab work. And so by the middle of January, then is, is really when we got that official diagnosis. But, but I knew for a number of months that something was wrong. Yeah. And you talk about in the book, you know, you feel like it's like you just want some solid ground, like all this stuff is coming and you, you're trying to figure out what's going on and it's not looking good. And then the, of course, like diagnosis is coming and, you know, you, t- you say we wanted to go back to dry ground to the shore. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think so many times when we feel those waves crashing and we found ourselves in the middle of a storm, you know, I, I mean, even with um, after adopting kids and going through really hard stuff, I'm like, what did I even complain about before? Yeah. Like, 
you know, all of a sudden it's like, like, what was, why was I worried about the grocery bill right. or this or that or the, the, the laundry on the floor? Cause all of a sudden we realized like, this is so much bigger. Yeah. And we were complaining about the stuff that, you know, the everyday stuff and how, how do we even deal with this? So talk about just, just your emotions when you're finally get your diagnosis and you realize like, this is a very, very serious thing. Yeah. I, I, you're, you're so right. I mean, I think, you know, suffering, you know, and, and we're certainly not experts in suffering I mean, some of your, your listeners have suffered far worse than, than we have, or that they're in the middle of something that's far worse than, than what we've been through, but everybody's suffering is unique. You know, we're, we're our own reference point. And I think suffering, when you find yourself in the middle of, of a storm, you know, it does immediately give you a new perspective and you begin to see what's important, what's not important. And I've often seen said that, you know, before diagnosis, it's sort of like I went through life in black and white, but after diagnosis, mm-hmm. life is in color mm-hmm. and things take on new meaning, new significance. You, you appreciate that the small things, um, you know, far more. And so I, I think you're right. I think, you know, when we find ourselves in the middle of a storm, whether it's a miscarriage or, you know, a son or daughter that walks away from the faith or a health diagnosis or an unfaithful spouse, it, it has the potential to really, um, you know, uh, right size us pretty quickly and to put things in a perspective. I think that that's one of the unique things that God does in the midst of suffering is begin to show us what, what really matters most. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think when your life is on the line, it's just a whole nother ball game. You know, it's like, wow, there is so much that I've worried about that does not even matter. Right. You know what I mean? I'm just grateful for another day. And that's definitely how we felt and have felt. Yeah. Ruth, what was it like, um, you know, to hear this diagnosis? Because all of a sudden, I mean, here's someone that's taking care of you mm-hmm. and your strength. Mm-hmm. And and he needs, I mean, there's, I know there's extended periods of time where he had to be isolated mm. and he wasn't there. I mean, yeah. talk about what that was like. And then you have to be there for the kids. Too. Right. Well, I mean, first of all, it was, like I said before, just shocking, you know, to begin with. You just can't even believe it's happening to you. Um, but... You know, I think throughout the his treatment, so he so Pat went through five months of frontline treatment, which was a, a few pills, a couple injections. Um, and so he went through that for five months and it was like chemo and that type of treatment. And then he had two stem cell transplants over the course of, I don't know, maybe six months, honey. Yeah, it was one, one in July of 2018. And the second one was um, October 2018. Yeah. So. You know, I I would say through that period, I I remember just thinking, oh, my word, like as the stem cell transplant especially got closer, I was like, I don't know about this. You know, like you just feel you're trying not to dread (laughs) what's around Mm -hmm. the corner that you is so like so unknown. And um, but I, I do feel like God must have just been right beside me in that all because he was so faithful to us. Um, and really, I feel like throughout that whole period, just even with not that he didn't not that it wasn't hard for Pat, but I just feel like it could have even been worse. And don't you agree, honey? It was. Yeah, I, I was just going to add that I, you know, Trisha, I just think that that, you know, especially early on in the diagnosis, I just began to realize why you focus on building a godly marriage to begin mm. with yeah, and, and why I was so grateful that, you know, this came 
what, 20 years, 19 years into our marriage. Mm-hmm. And not that we hadn't experienced other difficult things. I, I'd lost my dad in a car accident and was with my mom when she passed away. Ruth had a number of miscarriages. But but this was, you know, I think this happened 19 years into our marriage. And I was so, I remember thinking, you know, as we sat um, in my specialist office waiting, I was looking around, you, you see people sitting there by themselves or you see couples, you know, sitting together. And I just remember thinking, I am so thankful that Ruth and I have the marriage that we have today, that we get to walk through this together and that we had spent years and years of, of building a Christ-centered marriage um, mm-hmm. because that that's what sustains you, you know, in the midst of um, difficult seasons. And I was so grateful. I mean, Ruth has just so many different gifts um, just in general, but she has so many different gifts than, than, than I have. And so <laughs> I just think about how God, you know, what, what a blessing our spouses are that, that God had gifted and wired Ruth in such a way that he knew what was coming and, and God used her gifts to just be an encouragement to me. And it took me a while. I, when I think about our marriage, it, it took me a while to, 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 I was sort of late to the party to go, Oh, wait a minute. I'm not the only one suffering. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I would just encourage you, anybody that's walking through something difficult. I just, I was just so focused on what I was walking through that I, that I forgot that Ruth was suffering in a totally different way, in a unique way. And so as a husband, I had to be careful of, of, you know, just how much maybe I talked about what I was, I didn't want to put an extra heavy burden on, on top of what she was already carrying or things like that. I think God really opened my eyes to, and I can still struggle with that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm so thankful to that, to my point, I'm just so thankful that we had spent years and years of really building a Christ-centered marriage because that really is ultimately, you know, what sustains you in the middle of those storms. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think what you were talking about as far as having different gifts, it's, it is, you see how God wired each of you differently and then just what a gift it is that he put you together. Like I remember, you know, we would go on walks all the time <laughs> and literally I would spend, you would talk me out of my head quite often. Right. You know, and he would go, I just let him go on and on. And, 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 you know, I tend to be, I mean, more of an optimist and you're more of a pessimist, not that, not to downplay anything you were going through. Obviously it was serious and really hard, but you know, I feel like, God gave me the gift of faith to help encourage him through all of that. And so I would listen and then I would just gently, you know, like the Holy Spirit, Trisha, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, re- try to redirect him um, mm-hmm. to focusing on God and his promises and, you know, not necessarily what we read online or what our, you know, not put our hope in earthly things, but in heaven and and all that God, you know, his promises to take care of us and healing and all of that. I feel like that was a constant through that time. Yeah. And that God used you to speak during those times. Because I think that, um, I mean, for us, John and I, I mean, our, our biggest hardest thing has been just kids from trauma Mm. and there's some days like I'm like I'm done like I'm done like I'm gonna go to a hotel like you deal with this and then there's and he's been like okay God is here you know how far they've come like you know where would they be I mean all these things I'm like oh my gosh like I really don't want to hear this but I know this is what I need to hear and then there's times when he's like I'm done I'm like Mm. I'm just gonna go drive around for you know and so then I'm like well you know it's okay like go take a break and you know and and it's like when one of us is week the other can be strong yes. and we need that like we need that from each other um but it does come from those years of you know 
God being there and, and, and just us growing in him yeah. and growing close to each other. I mean, for you, Pat, to be vulnerable enough to say, you know, to share all those fears and all those mm. questions and stuff with Ruth is like a huge thing. Yeah. Like that you've had to build that vulnerability over the years. Great. It doesn't just come. And because you were at that place and because, you know, you're able to also listen to her, yeah. <laughs> you know, and in, you have that closeness with her, like God is able to use that. But it does take that time of really nurturing our marriages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, you know, as a pastor, had been a part of so many, you know, wedding ceremonies. Had the the privilege of officiating, you know, different ceremonies, and, and almost at every wedding ceremony, you know, I'll, I'll tell couples, it's one thing to walk down the aisle together; it's a whole other thing to walk through life together, and mm-hmm. um, and just the, the the necessity, like you said, to continue cultivating just a Christ centered marriage and to continue opening up to one another, and just by God's grace, um, you know, He changes us and transforms us and grows us closer. But I'm just incredible thankful that God has done that in, in our own marriage and family. Yeah. And now you talk about, um, you know, lessons that you learned in the midst of suffering. And I want to get to those. But before we get there, I want to ask, like, I know for me, because I'm a writer and a speaker, too, I'm always like trying to find the lesson in things. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm going to love these kids and do this. And then I'm going to be able to tell other people. And there's I've been to the point where like, I don't care about the other people out there. Like, right. this is too much. Exactly. Like, so even before, like, I want to talk about, yeah. I do want to talk about what you learned, but I, w- I also want to talk about, because I know there's people there yeah. in those places where they're like, I don't even, I can't even help someone else right now because right. I just feel so broken. So I want to talk about that first. Yeah. No, that's so good. I, th- I think you're so, you're so right. I think that's, was maybe one of the challenges in particular for me as a pastor, because I, you know, I was diagnosed and we were in the middle of a church plant mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I had to continue to preach. I mean, I preached almost every Sunday for those first five months yeah. of frontline treatment. And most of those Sundays, all I wanted to do was get underneath the chair and cry. Um, mm-hmm. And our church family was incredible to us and, and they were so good. They they loved us and supported us and did things for us that, that you know, we'll be forever grateful for. But, you know, I was just I was processing my own mortality. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was thinking mm-hmm. about Ruth, um, you know, without me someday or my kids. All of those things were running through my head. I was grieving. Um, I was in pain physically. I, in many ways, I felt like I was bleeding spiritually and emotionally. And yet I, I also had to continue to lead as a pastor. And that was really, really difficult. And, and so, um, you know, you, you do sometimes what you have to do by God's grace. But I, I, I remember then going through a season where I just couldn't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and there was the need for me to be honest with our church, to be honest with some friends. And, and I think that that's, you know, we, we say in the book that an honest spirituality is a healthy spirituality. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's so important for us because you can't lead from that place for very long. It, it's, it's disastrous. And so, you know, I, I went through a season where, yeah, I had to set some new boundaries. I had to withdraw from certain things. Um, you know, I went through a series of, of different counseling processes and working with with a spiritual director. And, and you know, that was so helpful for me because you can't – I just remember one of the guys I was working with is he just was really challenging me to steward my soul well. And and even though I, I my cancer was in remission, there was a lot of work that needed to be done on the interior because of what we'd walked through. Mm-hmm. And I just think about the scriptures, you know, they're just full of, of laments, of cries of sorrow. You know, a third of the Psalms mm-hmm. are, are full of those laments. 
And sometimes I think depending on what church background we come from or what tradition we're from, you know, we don't do a great job within the church of cultivating an environment where it's okay to not be okay, you know, where, where it's okay to come in on a Sunday morning and to weep or to mourn or to lament. And I'm so thankful for our church family because we, we were able to kind of cultivate that kind of environment. And they, um, they gave us a long leash and they prayed for us and loved on us and they had faith for us when we didn't have faith for ourselves. And um, so I think that's so important in, in the process of healing. Yeah. And, and I think that we can put the pressure on ourselves to just get through this. Mm-hmm. And or I mean, honestly, people around us can put that pressure on on us. And and I think, like Pat said, that that's something we talk about in the book. Actually, I think we have a whole chapter called It's OK Not to Be OK. And I think that's really hard for me because I I don't know. I don't like to, I like everything to be all right. Like, don't worry about me. I've got it handled. (laughs) Um, And I think you have to be okay with not being okay. And that means taking care of yourself. That means that you might not have the same emotional capacity, physical capacity. There's things you might have to step back from. Um, You might need to, like Pat said, seek out counseling. I mean, there's just so many things in that. And I think, you know, if we can be okay to sit in that really hard place, that's where the healing will come from. And I also think that we're just expected to have some, you know, gigantic faith that we can get through this. And I've even had people say to me, wow, you must, you know, you must have so much faith. And I would say what that looks like in real life is that it's like a daily struggle. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm, you're limping mm -hmm. along, just you keep turning to God. You keep asking for him to just give you a glimpse of hope and peace. And so what, what it may, what it may appear to be on the outside is usually not what's really going on at home in this day-to-day struggle. And it's okay not to be okay. Yeah, I like it said, um, you know, we cried on the way to the store, we cried in the store, mm. we wept during worship. Um, Pat, I cried in nearly every sermon I preached in the coffee shop. I mean, it's okay. Right. It's okay. I mean, I think so many times we just try to feel like we got it together right. and look at us. Yeah. <laughs> and, and no, it's okay. And people don't relate to that. Right. Like they think, well, their life is perfect or whatever. And in our brokenness and in our pain, I think that's what actually draws people in more because they're like, wait, you can still have hope. I just saw you crying mm. and now you can have hope. Like, how can that yeah. happen? Yeah. And I, I mean, and I think that's what people need. Yeah. And I think, you know, what's interesting is, like I said, you know, my personality is I don't, re- you know, I want to appear as if it's okay, you know, everything's okay. I don't want to put extra burden on other people to worry about me. Um, but this really opened my eyes to see that, wow, there's probably so many, that person at the grocery store that I just walked by, who knows what they are going through. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, or even just driving. I remember being at a stoplight and looking over and thinking like, we have no idea what is going on in that person's life right now. And it just really opens your eyes to the suffering really that's all around. Yeah, absolutely. And I know every time I speak at a conference and, you know, if I'm just sharing, these are the top tips and blah, blah, blah. Mm. Like maybe some people might say, oh, that was a really good tip. I might try it. But if I share from my brokenness mm. and the heart, I mean, the, there's people just, just want to pour out because all of a sudden they can connect with that. Mm-hmm. They can relate with that. Yeah. yeah. 
And I love one of the quotes that you have is um, any step toward healing or transformation has to start with feeling the pain before trying to figure out the pain. Yeah. And that is so good. Yeah, I think I, I think that that's, you know, for me, th- there were so many of those days early on where I didn't know what was going on in my own soul. Like I didn't know that I was mm-hmm. grieving or mourning. And and yet as I began to go kind of through that that process, it was just so important, you know, to yeah, to be able to, to enter into that pain, those, those different emotions, those, those things that we feel and, and experience the loss and invite God's grace into that. And I think that's where the, the healing comes, but we can never rush through that. And I think that's mm-hmm. the, the hard thing is that, you know, there, there is a pressure sometimes we put on ourselves or you know, people's lives, they, they go back to normal and they, they have to, to a certain degree. And sometimes, you know, other people put that pressure on us. Sometimes we put that pressure on ourselves, but you just can't rush, you know, the healing process. You, you can't, you know, fast forward through that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and there are days where you, you feel great. And there are still days where you feel like you're back to, back to the beginning. Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, and it takes a long time. Like I remember at the beginning of this year, um, especially like when COVID came around, I remember thinking, I really, I've got to put some boundaries in place. I just need to take some time, more time for myself. I mm-hmm. have work and healing to do. You know what I mean? I, and so I don't think, you know, and here we are a few years out, but it just, it's a process. And I don't think we can ever just think it's going to be over. And we have to keep, you know, revisiting that and saying, okay, where am I? And where, you know, what do I need to do um, to continue to lean on God and help him, you know, give him um, the permission really to change my heart and work in me through this. Yeah. It's not like you're like brushing off your hands or like, okay, right. we're through that. Let's right. just go. Yeah. Okay. Next, <laughs> you know, right. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so Pat, where are you um, health wise? Yeah. So I, as we mentioned, I went through, you know, that frontline treatment and then, you know, the first stem cell transplant in July, 2018, second one in October of 2018. And then I have been really in remit what they would consider remission or, or a complete response. You know, there's no visible signs of cancer in my body. Mm. So we just finished two years. In fact, I just got lab work back last night, mm-hmm. uh, as a matter of fact. So um, we I, I go in every two months now for pretty extensive lab work. And so we are um, just as of last night, uh, two years and one month uh, cancer free, or at least it being under control. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we just praise God for that. I mean, God has been so uh, so kind to us. And, uh, you know, when I was diagnosed, it, it was, I don't know if I mentioned this already, but it's a type of blood cancer that typically affects women over the age of 65. Yeah. <laughs> so you're like, what? I'm not either one of those. <laughs> yeah. and so, um, and so it's a very unusual type of blood cancer for somebody my age, um, you know, just for me in general uh, to be diagnosed with. And so it, we have just experienced an incredible response. I mean, my specialist told me, I don't usually see responses like this. Mm-hmm. And so we're just grateful for that. I'll continue to be on some form of maintenance medication to keep the cancer Mm -hmm. under control or at bay, you know, as best as we can for for as long as we can. Yeah, that's so good. Okay, so the the title again is In a Boat in the Middle of the Lake. The subtitle is Trusting the God Who Meets Us in Our Storm. So let's circle back around to trust Mm. and some of the lessons that you guys learned through this storm. Wow. Yeah, I think that's probably the biggest thing. You know, God really, when when something hits, when a storm hits, um, that is when your faith is put to the test and it really exposes what you believe. You know, I mean, honestly, because you have nowhere else to turn. And so I, re- I remember, you know, 
I think we already talked about this, but as you enter into when something comes your way and you're like, no, 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 I don't want to go. I mean, I, I'm thinking, <laughs> uh-uh, no, Lord, I don't want to go through this, you know, mm-hmm. um, but I know that he's going to use it to, to grow me and to change me and just deepen my faith. And um, one of the quotes that we use in the book is that the depth of our hurt enables us um, to understand the depth of our hope. And, you know, really that couldn't be truer because when there is nowhere else to turn, you know, I remember just kind of scrambling through scripture, just looking for any piece of hope I could find in there. You know what I mean? Like when we are just scrambling for hope, that's where God is really growing us and helping us to depend on him. We have nowhere else to turn. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I think the, the book, you know, in a boat in the middle of a lake is, is really based off of that passage in Mark four, where Jesus is teaching, you know, the disciples by the lake and he's talking about the kingdom of God. And then, you know, as he moves through, you know, as he moves through the, the middle of that chapter, he, he changes his location to teach them a new lesson. And that's when he moves from being, you know, teaching them by the lake to teaching them in the middle of the lake. Mm-hmm. And they find themselves in a boat in the middle of a lake. The storm surrounds them. The wind and the waves begin, you know, to, to overcome them. And, and what you see in that passage is that Jesus is sound asleep mm. and, you know, the disciples cry out, you know, Jesus, do you care? Uh, are you going to help us? You know, th- those are all questions, not so much about God's existence, but about God's character. Mm. And I think that's one of the things about trials and trust is you oftentimes, I mean, people do wrestle with God's existence, but more mm-hmm. times than not, it, it's a question about God's character and and what you really believe about God. Is, is God really good? Um, is God really loving? Is he really faithful? Are those promises really, really true? And so I think for us, as we walk through that, um, you know, we did, we, we had to, to begin to, I think, wrestle with, is what we said we believed about God really what we truly believe about mm-hmm. God? And I think it was Brennan Manning who, who said, you know, trust is our, our gift that we give back to God. And I, I think that that's one of the challenging things in in the middle of chaos when we feel disoriented is to surrender those outcomes, wherever those outcomes may be and go, God, I, I really do think you are loving. You know what you're doing. And no matter how this ends, no, no matter where this part of my story goes, um, you have more wisdom, more power, uh, more love than than I do. And, and so I, I'm going to trust you. You know what you're doing. Um, I belong to you. I came from you and I'm going to return to you. And, um, that's a challenging, that's a challenge, that's a challenging part of transformation Mm -hmm. is surrendering our control, um, uh, to, to a loving, faithful, good and wise God. Yeah. And I, for me, one of the scriptures that I, I mean, I wrote it on a note card. I had it with me all the time. And, um, and then of course I, remembered it because I was looking at it constantly is, is Psalm 910, which says, those who know your name trust in you for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. And the beginning of that verse, those who know your name trust in you, you know, when we know who God is, when we know his character, like when we've spent the time with him, we can trust him no matter what comes our way. And for me, that was really true. Like it was like, okay, Lord, I know you're faithful. I've learned this about you. I know you're the healer. Um, I know you're merciful. I know you love me. Like all of those things about God um, that I had learned, you know, since I was 15 years old when I started following Christ, you know, those that's put to the test. But I know this about him because I've spent the time with him. And and that verse was just such a, a reminder to me throughout the last few years that I could trust him because I knew him and I knew all of this about him. 
Yeah, that's so good. And, and um, you know, what you guys are talking about is one of your chapters um, is discovering what we really believe. Mm. And yeah, so, yeah. you know, it's like I believe these things. But then when you go through that, when you go through suffering, when you go through hardship, then you really, really know that right. you believe. Yeah. Um, you know, some of the other questions you have in here are um, who or what am I looking to for my security? Yeah. That's I mean, you could ponder that like, yeah. forever. <laughs> um, where am I? Where am I taking my pain? Mm. Um, what is my hope anchored in? And then, you know, how much do I believe that Jesus conquered death? And I mean, these questions are ones like we don't think about until we are facing death or we are in pain. And that is a gift. And I know you guys talk about that, too, about, you know, the gifts that you received even during these hardest times in your life. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that those are, you know, some of those questions that we talk about in the book, they, they, it really gets at the heart, you know, like you're saying of, of what you truly believe. There, there's all sorts of things that, that I would have said I, I believed on the shore. And th- mm-hmm, those were easy mm-hmm. beliefs. And, and I preached on them and had blogged about them, I'm sure, and written about them. But, you know, when you find yourself in the middle of a storm, it's like, okay, do I, do I still really believe that, that God works all things out for the good of those who love him. Do I really mm-hmm. believe that Jesus conquered the grave? Like, is that really a, a, a hope for me? And so you do, you begin to discover all of the things that, that, you know, maybe you believed, but, but there are all sorts of things you, you discover that you don't really believe. And I think that is, that's one of the things that, that, you know, one of the ways that God uses suffering, it's one of the ways he uses chaos is to really um, draw us into a deeper, more intimate relationship with him. Yeah, that is so good. And I love, you know, you said, these are things I was probably blogging about before yeah. and writing about before <laughs> and preaching about before. But the, the cool thing is, is those practices of going to God's word, yeah. of, you know, wrestling with it and then writing a blog post or all those things. I mean, you were working that into you. Yep. So when you needed those truths, I mean, you were able to say, well, yeah, I guess it is true. Yeah. Like this is really working out like I thought. And I was just having this conversation with one of my teens the other night and she was like, I don't know. There's some days I don't even know if I believe leave and like I just wish you would just talk to me and I'm like well are you are you reading your Bible you know we talk about this all the time and like how is he going to talk to you like you yeah. need the practice mm-hmm. of sitting down and, and reading God's word and and making that space and if we aren't then of course the doubts are going to come because we aren't getting that continual feeding of his word and those truths right. and I know you've talked about I mean again with your marriage and with your relationship with God what you have put in in the last 20 years before this happened really strengthen you for so just maybe you guys can encourage people out there that are like yeah I just don't know what to do and I don't know how to take time for God and I know this is important but what encouragement and maybe Mm -hmm. even some um some tools that they can use Mm to make that a part of their everyday lives. Yeah. I mean, that honestly, that's what I keep coming back to when I've been talking to different people, doing different interviews is I keep coming back to this like idea of, you know, here every day, this is why it matters to spend time Mm -hmm. with God, even if it's five minutes, you know what I mean? Like you, it doesn't have to look perfect. I think people give up because they feel like, well, I'm not getting anywhere. Does this really matter? Or I don't have time or whatever. Um, But it it doesn't have to look perfect. It doesn't have to look like you feel like the giant of the faith that you're you're watching online or whatever, you know, all that they do. Um, but it just, it's a, you know, maybe it's a, a devotional that you just go to every day um, that has a scripture that keeps pointing you to God. It's being faithful in that, just going to that every day. If you miss a day, go to it the next day. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's just being faithful in prayer every day, even if you don't even know what to say to God at times. Um, just 
just speak your heart to him. It's it's going to church. It's being involved there. It's just this daily walk out with God that, you know, honestly, again, it doesn't look perfect. I think that's where we get hung up. We think it's supposed to look a certain way. I think we're so worried about like the ritual of it yes. and then, like the religious things we're supposed to do that it's like it's the relationship. Absolutely. So it's the relationship with Jesus. And we're like turning to him through the day and we're seeing what his word says and we're praying to him. It's like the relationship. I think so many people just get caught up in that ritual part of if I don't have an hour mm-hmm. to sit down and yes. journal and right. do all those things, then it's not, doesn't matter. But Jesus is like, hello, I'm right here. Like, yeah. Just talk to me. <laughs> just write a scripture card and stick it in your pocket. Exactly. Like, <laughs> yes. Or yeah, like there's so many, I love the, um, cause you were talking about practical practical tools. Um, I love the journals that are like, write the word and it gives you a scripture Mm -hmm. and you just write it out. Like just simple things like that. We don't have to make it so complicated. Yeah. I think for me, one of the most, uh, you know, helpful, I just agree with everything you guys are saying. I think, you know, one of the things that I did during treatment was I, I kept a, a journal in, as I was reading my Bible, I would just put different verses that I wanted to memorize uh, into that journal. And I had started that, that practice, you know, years ago, but, but really continue that through treatment. And that was just a really easy way for me just to continue planting God's word in my heart and, mm-hmm. and allowing the, the water, the, the storms, you know, to, to water that. And, and it was just so helpful for me to keep coming back to the truth of God's word that no matter how I felt, no matter what was going on, um, I had the, the protection and, and the sustenance of, of God's word. And, and, um, and it's so important to, to start that discipline, that practice before, because like you said, it's that, that's in you than when the storms hit. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's just amazing how often God will bring to, to mind then a, a verse or a passage that you memorized maybe years ago mm-hmm. and, and what a protection that can be or what a source of comfort that can be. Yeah. And I've, I've shared that, honey, with a lot of people. I mean, I can't even tell you, Trisha, how many times I have seen him. Even now he will be holding, he'll be sitting down and he'll ha- he takes that little journal with him everywhere. And I, you know, it's just amazing because I see you so many times looking through it and and it's really just those verses. I feel like that's such a practical way to have those verses that have gotten you through right there, handy, ready to turn to. I, I feel like that's a great practical tool for people that are going through hard things. Yeah. And something about even when we write it down, Mm -hmm. just like that slowing down and you're like noticing the words as you're writing them down. I mean, even that first step, I know for me just brings so much hope. And people always talk about like, what if your kids ever found your journals and stuff? And I'm like, "Uh, mine are mostly scripture verses. Because in that moment, that's what I needed. (laughs) And me just pausing. And so sometimes there might be a prayer or a thought, but just me pausing and like, wow, this verse means enough. And yes, we can underline it and highlight it. But I love that practice of actually writing it down. It just for me, and I know it sounds like for you guys too, Mm -hmm. it just takes it to the next level where this is something important. And I love the idea of just carrying that around and when we need it, we have God's words there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I love it. Well, you guys, I appreciated this so much. Um, I always love what you do and all that Mm -hmm. you share. And thank you again for sharing your hearts. I know there's a lot of people that are, that are going through rough times and this book is perfect. I have a Gonna, I have my copy, but I'm going to get a couple for Christmas presents for people. Um, again, the, the title is In a Boat in the Middle of a Lake, um, Trusting the God Who Meets Us in Our Storm. And we'll put the links to that. But is there anywhere else that you love for people to connect with you online? Yeah, you know, most we're on Instagram um, at Ruth Schwank and at Patrick W. Schwank. 
Um, that's probably where we are the most. I'm also at, on my Facebook page a lot, which is Ruth Schwenk. Um, and then, of course, our podcast. I think that's where you'll really get to hear us, our heart, you know, more often. Mm-hmm. We, we definitely, there's just something about hearing someone's voice, right? Yes. <laughs> so that, yeah, that's uh, where we are a lot. Okay. And the, the podcast is Root Like Faith. Um, and we will make sure to put the link for that in the show notes too. Yep. Thank well, you. you. Guys, just thank you so much for being here. And I just love your hearts and all God's doing in you and through you. Thank you so thank much, you so much Trisha. Trisha. Well, friends, I just love talking to Pat and Ruth. They are so amazing. I just love their hearts for God, their hearts for each other. I love how they shared that, you know, so much of um, their ability to stand up in the storm really came back to their just daily um, rituals, I guess you could say, or their daily desire to connect with God memorizing scripture, reading God's word, connecting together in marriage, all those things, all those habits that we have really prepare us for the future um, and the storms that might be there in the future. Now, it made me think of um, years ago when I was leading a Bible study. I mean, it must have been Well, 20 years ago, I was leading a Bible study, and it was on Heaven by uh, Johnny Erickson Tata. And as we're sitting there, and we're talking about Heaven and our desires and no more pain and no more sickness. I remember there's a young woman. She was married and a mom of one. And she just had this blank look on her face. And, you know, I asked her like, well, what do you think? What are you looking forward to in heaven? And she said, you know, I really haven't faced any hardship on earth. She said, we haven't faced any losses. Um, Both my parents, my husband's parents are still alive. We have a healthy son. We have enough money. We haven't been sick. And so she said, I have a hard time really thinking of heaven. I have a hard time feeling like I need God because things are going so well. And I remember, you know, talking about, well, some sometime in life you may face hardship. And I think she came maybe to the Bible study a few more times, but she really couldn't connect with that. And it made me realize that the hard stuff of life, the hardships, the losses, the uncertainty, do make us draw close to God. They do make us long for heaven. They do help us understand God in new ways. And I think if things are good and easy, if we are healthy and we have enough um, money and nothing wrong is going in our life, we almost feel like we don't need God. Um, And I love how Patrick and Ruth shared, you know, they they wouldn't want um, to turn back and change the cancer diagnosis. As hard as it was, they learned so much about the relationship with each other and drawing close to God. Um, And, you know, I love how they say also that the depth of our hurt enables us to understand the depth of our hope. And really in a time of history, I don't think anyone out there is able to say, I'm not going through any challenges right now, because I think all of us are facing challenges, hardship and loss of jobs and um, trying to figure out what to do with our kids in school and school shutting down. Um, 
not being able to go to the grocery store and just walk around and smile at everyone. Like we see, I mean, I think all of us are facing hardships in our lives and really like Pat and Ruth were saying, you know, these storms, we could actually turn to God and ask what he's doing and we can turn and give him our struggles and give him our hardships and lean into him and lean into the people that are close to us and really find hope through our relationship with God and through our need of others during this time. Even though it's difficult, I think it actually can be a growing time for all of us and every single person. Um, My daughter's in Europe and I have friends in other parts of the world and they're all struggling. They're all going through hardships. So really, this is a time when we can lean in, we can draw close to God and we can discover more about him than we ever have before. So today's Walk It Out verse is Psalm 910. Those who know your name trust in you. For you, O Lord, do not abandon those who search for you. So let me pray for us today. Dear Lord, first, I thank you so much for Pat and for Ruth, for their ministry to their church, to their family, to uh, people through their podcasts and the blogs. Lord, I thank you so much for all they're doing to encourage people and to strengthen people and to point people to you. I thank you so much for um, Pat, for for his cancer-free um, just recent scans that he's had, Lord. I pray that you'll continue to hold up his body and that we will um, hear good news in the future. I pray for them as they share with so many people that that people can turn to you in the suffering. So just bless them and bless their ministry. I pray, Lord, for every listener there. And I don't know what type of struggles or storms they're facing. Lord, I know there are so many people that are facing losses of jobs and losses of loved ones, disabilities. Um, I've had friends that have discovered unfaithfulness in their spouse and loss of financial security. I've had friends that have faced miscarriages, Lord, the list goes on. But I thank you, Lord, that through it all, we can turn to you. And as the scripture says, that you do not abandon those who search for you and those who know your name trust in you. And I pray that, Lord, when we feel uncertain, when we feel the storm clouds raging around us, that we will just call out your name, Jesus. And sometimes we don't even have to um, go into more details, just calling at your name, Lord, If that's all we can do, that is enough. I pray for every listener, for every storm. I pray that you will bless them and touch them today. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in to Walk It Out. I love being able to talk with my friends. I love being able to share about their books, about their um, just the discoveries of what you are doing in their lives. It really is just a joy for me. And I hope that it's a joy for you too. What I would love is for you just to share this podcast. Tell your friends to look it up on iTunes or look it up on their favorite podcast app. And if you know someone who is facing a storm and needs encouragement, share this podcast with your friend. Um, You can just go to walkitoutpodcast.com or you can go to Trisha Gore 
thewarrior.com and click on podcast and you can discover all the podcasts there um, that I've recorded and you could click on the link to Pat and Ruth's podcast and share that link. You could share it on Facebook, on Pinterest, um, just share it with your friends and I hope that they will be encouraged too. Thank you so much, friend. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to Walk It Out. Head over to the show notes for this podcast and all past episodes at www.walkitoutpodcast.com. If you love the show, share it with someone you know who can make a radical difference in the world. We love new friends. See you next time.